0: As YouTube enters the fray when it comes to podcasting and reveals its plan for the medium, will it change the way that we think as indie creators, and how will it impact the bigger media companies amongst us? Here with me today is someone that has probably got more experience in audio, in radio, in podcasting than the rest of us combined. It is, of course, the one, the only, the founder and
1: editor-in-chief of pod news mr james cridland welcome mate you all right thank you very much i've no idea where editor-in-chief comes from but I'm, I'm i'm a fan of it so yes let's let's go with that
0: so i think that's like a, a perry white thing that's probably my old superman comic reading days and I did, now i just think that everyone should be called that so i'm i'm, I'm good with that But we'll go with that one. and from now on i'm gonna call you perry how are you you doing all right congratulations on on the podcast business journal by the way
1: I yes uh, yes I'm I'm b- very excited about uh, having two things to write now. Uh I you know I'll need some stuff in a bit that that'll be a nice thing but uh, yeah so you know having a daily newsletter and now a weekly one that just focuses on the business of podcasting. It's really good to be uh, working on that and really enjoying it. I love it mate. Yeah congratulations. I was thrilled when I saw it and I think
0: the business of podcasting is something that For me, I think a lot of independents are starting to think about a little bit more. They're starting to think about, you know, actually, this is an industry. This is a media. This is something that we as indies get to play with before we start becoming more serious. But to a lot of people, to a lot of VCs, to a lot of media companies, to a lot of producers, to a lot of creators, writers, and so on and so forth, this is a genuine industry. So YouTube getting involved in this industry It feels like quite a big deal. So I'm looking forward to to getting into that one. But first and foremost, the thing that I want to do, and I I think inimitably no one can do this quite like you can. Let's just summarize what's happened. What, What has YouTube done?
1: Well, about a year and a half ago, there was an awful lot of rumor about YouTube jumping into podcasting, and YouTube ended up sponsoring the podcast show in London, this time last year, uh, with YouTube logos all over everywhere, but you went to to ask anybody at YouTube, what are you doing with podcasting? And they said, oh, well, we can't tell you, Um, and uh, then I discovered something uh, a little bit earlier than that, I discovered something that YouTube were actually going and talking to podcast customers, uh, podcast uh, publishers about in terms of uh, what uh, their plans were. And I published one of those slides and uh, YouTube got very, very angry with me. Um, So clearly this has been something that they've been planning for a while. So what they've basically done now is that, I mean, for many years, people with podcasts have been uploading them to YouTube. You know, this very podcast has been uploaded to YouTube um, in the past as well. And if you um, have a definition here of a podcast being a piece of audio-first content, so this, this podcast will work perfectly happily if you close your eyes. That's absolutely fine. Joe Rogan, when he was on YouTube, was a podcast. So what YouTube has now done is that they have launched something that they call podcasts, which is a way to get these properly marked as podcasts on the YouTube platform. And in the US uh, as well, you can listen to podcasts on YouTube Music, which is their music app. So um, podcasts, uh, as YouTube calls them, are now available on YouTube everywhere in the world and within YouTube Music in the US, which is a real step forward. That's Number one really interesting from a functionality perspective but number two I think it's interesting
0: because that definition to me of podcast has subtly shifted whether we like it or not audio first content of course we've got the argument about delivery via RSS. Um, I had a chat about that with myself and Danny Brown actually last week when I when I when I published the interview that Danny did with me and and, and the thought process around of course that is that is a podcast that is an open podcasting but if I'm a publisher, and, and you know, we, you and I are pretty fortunate to see a lot of indie and we're fortunate enough to have a foot in the publisher world as well. You know, me through global, you through being you to the publishers, YouTube must be attractive. And as much as we can say, is it really a podcast? If it's not got an RSS feed, there is that argument of it being audio first. Hence, that's a definition of podcasting thus. Of course we should embrace YouTube. Of course, as a publisher, I'm going to theoretically dive straight into this and take a look. Where does, right now, and then we'll maybe speculate about this as well, but where does RSS sit when it comes to YouTube? And the first and most pressing question is, do they accept RSS feeds?
1: No, no. They do not accept RSS feeds. Not yet. What they have said and what they've been pretty consistent in saying in the last uh, one and a half years is that they are going to be looking at RSS and they are looking at the possibility of automatically ingesting people's podcasts using RSS But right now, if you want to get your podcast onto YouTube, then you upload it using YouTube's systems, the same system that anybody would use to upload uh, a video uh, to there. Now, many podcast hosts are also allowing you to upload your shows directly to YouTube through their own systems. So I know that Libsyn does that. Uh, I know that there's a bunch of other podcast uh, companies who are working on that right now. Um, and, that's, and that's very exciting. Or you can use tools like Headliner. Uh, I use Zapier to, um, to upload and those are, are good too. But uh, at the end of the day, it doesn't use RSS yet. Um, it uses um, direct uploads onto YouTube. And what that also means, of course, is for analytics. You won't get analytics in your Captivate dashboard unless uh, Captivate have written a magic piece of code to go and talk to YouTube. You won't get, uh, you know, in any typical podcast host, certainly you won't get any of those uh, stats in there. Um, because again, it's not using RSS. It's not downloading it from your podcast host. So actually, you know, in terms of, in terms of YouTube, it is its own space. Um, but it's, as you say, it's a really important space. I mean, you know, it's a very large um, content uh, platform. Uh, they say it's the second largest search engine in the world after Google. And I would probably agree with that. So I think from that point of view, you know, it's a really important place um, to be on. And I think also we forget that YouTube music is very big uh, in some parts of the world. That's their music app. So it's a bit like Spotify um, in that every single music track that you want to have listened listen to is on that particular app and of course all of the podcasts uh, are also on the, on that app as well and if you want to see how that works, you just have to fire up a VPN to pretend that you're in the US, and automatically you can see all of these uh, shows in there as well. And I think that's really exciting because that probably enables podcast publishers to reach new audiences th- than they've ever read uh, than they've ever reached, you know, in the past. Um, some genres will work better than others, as I'm sure that we'll go on to. But I think you know it's it's certainly a really important audience for podcasters to be in front of. To that point, do you,
0: do you think that perhaps YouTube long-term, and this is completely devil's advocate and completely speculating, but the idea that a publisher, so someone that has got resource, someone that has got potentially a team. So I'm thinking things, the things like the Jordan Harbinger show Jordan does great content, you know, and, and, and it's very well produced the The flip side of that coin is is the indie, the person sat in the bedroom producing content, you know, that may, frankly, get enough downloads to really be well monetized, but not be classed in their mind as a media production or anything that requires big levels of grandeur or production levels. It's just good quality audio through a decent microphone. We've spoken at, at Lent in the past, and I know a lot of people have, have thought about this idea that podcasting is kind of fractured and and that sounds like a loaded word it's not it's not intended to sound as negative as it sounds just the the notion of it being one side of the chasm being that independent creator that's recording with accessible good quality technology like this microphone and the mic you're using versus the other side of that fracture which is the big production company and, and the media outlet and the publisher it feels to me certainly that the bigger people who can do good quality content Multi camera work, well edited, thoughtful titles. Maybe even you know we know what it's like to grow YouTube channels. Keyword research, description optimization, thumbnail optimization—all the stuff that we've got to do to grow a YouTube channel. It feels like the big publisher will benefit from that. So I suppose two two questions from that. What's your opinion on that? And then the follow-up is. Is there a place for YouTube music, the audio only element of this, that may
1: go towards helping the indie creator that can't
0: offer the production values?
1: So, I mean, the, the, uh, the talk of podcasting three, four years ago um, was that people are uploading their podcasts as audio to YouTube with a little graphic or maybe a little... You know, waveform that bounces up and down as uh, as you hear audio. And the talk four years ago was that the YouTube algorithm was marking that down that they were fake video. I think somebody was uh, calling them, and that was the talk of, you know, why would you do a fake video because the algorithm won't actually see you. Um, I'm not sure necessarily that I agree with that um, uh, for a start, but I think you know there's a whole set of people who are. Perfectly happy to produce something like, for example, the Pod News Weekly Review. That's a, an hour's show, which is just a fancy graphic bouncing up and down, and and it looks fine, and people use it, and 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 that's all good. Um, and then you've got. Um, people like you that will spend a little bit more time in terms of the video and make sure that the video' side looks good um, because we 're recording this in video as well as in as we're in, uh, as in uh, audio as well, and that works for certain things but I tell you what if you 're making a true crime podcast and you try making that in video, you're making a documentary. Documentaries are hard to make, you know? So um, so I think that works in certain genres, but doesn't necessarily work in all genres. Um, so I think really, you know, you you are going to get um, some larger companies who can afford, you know, the full video and the full um, and the full editing of the video and the titles and the and the Astons that come up at the bottom and all this kind of stuff. And that's going to be very exciting uh, to them. But I think the difference here is now that YouTube is asking podcast publishers to mark something as a podcast on their platform so that the platform knows that this is a podcast this is a piece of audio first content that to me would suggest that youtube have a slightly separate algorithm for podcasts and a slightly separate algorithm for you know that that sort of um, that sort of uh, content. Um, And I don't think necessarily that they're going to be, you know, uh, marking people down just because they've uploaded a nice nice image and a nice piece of artwork and and stuff like that.
0: It feels to me uh, a little bit Googly, this. So what I mean by that is that Google, if we think of Google's core product search, it's, it's the core of everything that they do. It's always been about relevance. It's always been about serving the users. If if I ask Google a question, its only job is to give me the best answer, which is why all these um, algorithm updates come out. It's why results and refinements in results and the SERPs continue to develop because Google just wants to deliver the product, which is the information that it indexes. That's the sort of the most basic version of Google. So I think for me, when I think about YouTube... It almost there's a there's a there's a way to 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 almost frame YouTube's entry into podcasting as, as as more of the same because people were doing it anyway. You know we've got tools like Headliner, we've got tools like uh, Repurpose. I'll be honest, you know we at Captivate, and you'll know this as a as a former advisor. We we actually had YouTube publishing about two and a half three years ago, and we never rolled it out. And the reason we didn't roll it out was because they kept changing. Um, The terms or the API, it was one of them that made it the maintenance on it was heavy compared to the relatively small gain for podcasters. So it feels to me as if it's potentially a way of saying, "Okay, look, people are doing this anyway. If we just give them a way to label it, if we just give them a way to kind of feel like this is a little bit more purposeful, we as YouTube can probably do a little bit more to surface that audio, which theoretically does two things. It helps with the discoverability challenge in podcasting. Okay, I can say, look, regardless of whether you're a highly produced podcast with video or whether you're someone in their bedroom with great audio and that's it, that's cool. I will give you more quote unquote views or listens or whatever, however we term it. But the second thing it potentially does, which leads directly to the next question is, It potentially gives YouTube inventory, more inventory to do more monetization with where they can, as you say, they can tweet the algorithm and adapt the way that they sell ads, adapt the way that they deliver ads because they know that this is audio first and it's a little bit potentially a little bit more passive. So what do we know about, as it stands today, what do we know about what YouTube is doing with its own pre-inserted ads, its own sort of mid-rolls as we see them, where we get the lovely little skip ads button on YouTube. What what do we know about that situation as it exists today when it comes to YouTube and podcasts?
1: Well, I think that there's a couple of things there. I think firstly, yeah, I mean, YouTube uh, at, at the end of the day, just like Google at the end of the day, doesn't necessarily exist to Um, put new, exciting pieces of content in front of people. It exists to flog advertising. Uh, That's its its main uh, focus. Um, And uh, clearly by, um, you know, it's seen the numbers out there of over 4 million podcasts and and they're there thinking, wow, if we can get the majority of those to come onto our platform, then we can sell ads against those. Um, And, you know, I mean, the amount of of new podcast episodes that are published. There's one podcast episode published every 0.8 seconds uh, right now. So, you know, if if, if they can actually get uh, the benefit of that, then, wow, you know, that's um, lots more inventory, as you say, uh, for them to advertise. And I think that's why they've only launched podcasting into YouTube music in the US. Because the only place, as far as I'm aware, that they're actually delivering audio-only advertising is alongside YouTube Music in the US. So they're not selling audio advertising anywhere else in the world, only in the US, which is why they're rolling it out uh, in the US for podcasting as well. And you will already hear adverts, apparently, if you don't pay for YouTube, as I do, because I'm random enough to want to pay for it. But if you don't pay for YouTube, you will hear ads um, uh, appearing sometimes in front of a podcast that you want to have a listen to, Um, and certainly see them uh, if you're playing it on the normal... um, uh, video uh, app that you're using. So from YouTube's point of view great, you know, if they if they can get the millions of new episodes that are made every single month and and they can flog advertising in front of those then that's fantastic. And the interesting part about that is of course all of the all of the infrastructure is already there to pay us to pay the podcast publishers, because they're already doing this for larger YouTube um, creators. If you're a large YouTube creator and you, um, and you have um, uh, have uh, increased above the minimum um, that uh, YouTube asked for for you to be a monetized channel, then all of a sudden you start earning money from the ads that YouTube are selling against your particular pieces of of, uh, content. So that's great news for anyone that wants to get paid for their creative passion. If they're large enough, and and that's a big if, but if they're large enough, um, then the monetization here works in exactly the same way as it works for YouTube videos and everything else. And you get paid in exactly the same way too.
0: There's a lot to unpack there, and I think that that leads to another couple of interesting questions. But I just need to get to this first. I am also one of the two people in the world that pay for YouTube without the ads. I have a child that loves Bluey and loves Bing, and the adverts are just—they just come between her and Bluey, dude. So I gotta pay for that thing. So maybe we'll start to see a little bit of money coming back our way instead of uh, flowing through just to YouTube. Let's think about Indies for a second then. Let's think about the the, the creator, I suppose the hobbyist, independent podcaster who thinks to themselves, okay, here's an opportunity to monetize potentially via YouTube if I get big enough. Here's a way for my podcast to be surfaced to more people. But actually, here's another thing that I've also got to do. Here's another hour, another two hours per week on my already stretched podcasting schedule. How would you how would you advise them to get started with this without piling on the pressure? Because there's so many, like there's, there's almost like two juxtaposed pieces of advice that you see in podcasting, which is be everywhere. And that's usually from like the quote unquote entrepreneur crowd, which I totally understand. Just be everywhere. And then there's the other, side of the coin, which is just focus on one place, which may be, okay, your podcast's RSS distribution, and grow that into a meaningful channel. So how would you approach that? If someone comes up to you at a conference, you're on stage, you've just got off stage, Q&A with James Criddle, and someone says, what should I do? Should I be worried about the time it takes? Should I really bother with YouTube? What's the answer?
1: Well, my answer, I mean, with all of these things is automate as much as you possibly can Um, because automation is a really important thing. So if you look at YouTube and you go, there might be an opportunity there, but I'm not sure yet, Um, then please don't spend, you know, 20% of your of your creation time every week feeding the big YouTube monster, because that's not necessarily really going to help you very much. So um, there are automatic ways your podcast host may offer you one certainly headliner uh, does, where you can automatically get headliner sitting there watching your podcast feed. If somebody, Uh, you know, if you publish a new episode, it will automatically produce a video version of that and upload it into the right playlist on YouTube, um, so that it goes into your podcast, uh, on YouTube. So, um, and that is not taking any more time to end up doing. So um, I I would certainly start looking at that sort of thing. Probably won't give you the best return in terms of uh, the amount of people who are finding your uh, channel, but at least you're there and you're starting to publish and you can start to see if there are particular trends. And what I'm noticing with uh, YouTube and the Pod News Daily has been there for, you know, well over a year now, what I'm noticing is that some shows do really well and by really well, I'm talking about 60 or 70 views. Some shows do really badly, um, about nine or 10 views. Um, and it all comes down to what that particular story is about and what the keywords that I've mentioned are. Um, And, you know, the one that did particularly well was uh, from March of last year, which was, you know, YouTube's plans for podcasting, uh, which I managed to get a leak of. And so, of course, you know, that, of course, did very well on YouTube itself. So I think, you you know, just, just sort of see what works and what doesn't. And then you will know at some point in the future whether or not it makes sense for you to go into something which is a bit more um time consuming like uh, producing video or there are halfway houses as well there are uh, there's a piece of technology called Adori Studio which is based in the US uh, and another piece of technology called Visi, uh, which is based here in, in uh, Australia, they both do much the same sort of thing, which is to add visual accompaniment to your podcast. Um, Vizi uh, exports it as as uh, chapters as well for some of the new podcast apps out there too. Um, so you can get a um, at least a more engaging uh, viewing experience than just a logo and a bouncing waveform. Um, so there's a, there is a, there is a sort of a, a halfway house there as well, but I certainly, you know, uh, wouldn't necessarily, um, um, give 20% of your creation time to YouTube unless of course it's doing more than 20% of your, um, of your numbers. And in which case that's probably a time to have a think about what you should be doing. Common
0: sense approach. Uh, and it feels very much like Spotify did in the early days. You know, it feels, it, it, you know, it feels as a, as a hosting, company it feels like anything like Spotify did Amazon did even Facebook when they sort of dipped the toe a little bit everything seems quite limited yet it causes quite a fuss because the brand name is so big so it feels that pragmatism I like and I'm I'm always you know me I'm always a huge fan of 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 that and thinking about as an Indie how can I remove that pressure but how can I make sure that I know enough about about what's going
1: on, that I can assess it properly. So I love that. <laughs> Sorry, I was just going to say, I, I think you're absolutely right in terms of uh, in terms of saying that it's the YouTube brand which is uh, which is uh, driving this. I mean, this is no different, perhaps, to a product called Verbal, which was out a couple of years ago, um, which uh, asked you to upload specifically to that particular platform, and you could do X, Y, and Z things on there, and nobody really bothered because, well, there wasn't really anybody using that particular platform. Whereas, you know, YouTube being so big and having so many billions of users actually using it, you know, that that's that's a really important thing. And I think YouTube can certainly deliver those numbers um, uh, if you're the right genre and the right content uh, for that particular platform.
0: The size of YouTube and the fact that it's an indexed search engine, let's be honest, is a huge deal. And, and, and when it comes to searchability when it comes to optimization spotify is spotty apple is well apple is apple the the podcasting apps are not necessarily known for their ease of navigation nor for their ability to surface decent content even when i get reasonably number one specific with my searches but number two reasonably specific with my listening Behavior. You know, it's traditionally just not fantastic. YouTube has heritage with this technically and, and, and in the mindset of users. It, it, the people are used to the algorithm being decent enough to send us down a 2am rabbit hole after a whiskey or two will this number 1 transpose to podcasting do we think and number 2 does this affect apple does it affect spotify does or does it does it, is it does it just not matter to them where do we where do we feel like that's headed
1: well, I, I think number one is that YouTube is a really good search engine. It's, it's run by Google. They, they know a thing or two about uh, search. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I was talking to quite a senior person from uh, Spotify a couple of weeks ago, and, and they were admitting that their search is not particularly great. Um, and uh, that's something that they're, you know, of course, continuing uh, to work on. So I think you've got that sort of side of it, but you've also got the side, as you so rightly say, of when you get to the end of a YouTube video, then YouTube will give you more that it thinks that you might be interested in. And it's got that algorithm working very, very well indeed. Guess what? That's there for podcasts right now. Um, So if you're there and you listen to uh, a particular podcast that it thinks that, uh, you know, at the the end of that, if it thinks that you will uh, like other podcasts, then it will give you other podcasts to have a listen to, um, which I think is really interesting because that could make quite a difference in terms of podcast discoverability in in terms of people finding new uh, shows and i think it's interesting to watch that actually spotify have just launched something which is quite similar uh, now when you reach the end of a podcast on spotify it will give you more podcasts that it thinks you will like probably joe rogan will be in there um, because so many people use uh, the spotify platform to listen to joe rogan so it's always going to appear in that particular algorithm but um, but i think that that's really interesting and i think that that, that has great opportunity for all of us as as uh, creators you know to see our stuff um, in those uh, in those lists if we can manage that you know so i think that that's uh, a great uh, step uh, forward and i think also you know uh, i mean at the end of the day google podcasts was supposed to be so massive because google podcasts search results were appearing in google uh, searches where the difference is there, though, is that people weren't necessarily googling for pieces of audio to go and have a listen to. Whereas particularly if you're using the YouTube music product, you are literally looking for stuff to listen to. That is your your user state. And so therefore, this is answering that particular user state. And I think that that's a very interesting, you know, move forward in terms of what uh, YouTube um, could potentially uh, be offering. So i think i think. I think, you you know, YouTube's knowledge and understanding in this uh, in this world um, is, I think, really interesting. I find it fascinating. You know, I get recommended the pod news daily on YouTube um, when I'm there using YouTube. I'm watching, you know, there's some bloke at the moment who is doing a documentary on every single motorway in the UK. Um, and I watch and I watch his shows, not because I'm particularly interested in motorways, but he's very, very funny. Um, and so I'll watch that. And at the end of that, it'll say, oh, and we also recommend this version of the Pod News Daily. And I'm there going, I did that last week. Why are you recommending that? So yeah, I think that, that's, that, that could be really, really big. It's fascinating to see
0: the way that that could impact people, especially when it comes to, from my perspective, discoverability is interesting because the power of YouTube for me when it comes to the recommendations is this is really cool content. I would have never ever discovered had you as YouTube not recommended it. So that is quite fascinating. And I love the point about, I was excited about Google surfacing podcast episodes and I did a little bit of experimenting with that and and it worked to a degree to, for getting ears and eyes on the content. It did, but you had to do the keyword research. You had to be a little bit savvy with that. However, I think you're absolutely right, you know, podcasts as content versus content that is simply there to answer a question, you know, because that's what we do in Google, isn't it? We just ask questions of Google and it's a very different type of of search. So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting with bated and breath to see what happens.
1: You know, YouTube of course is on so many, uh, surfaces, they call them in the business. So many devices, you know, it might be on your mobile phone. It's also on your TV. Uh, it's also, you know, uh, on your laptop, it's, it's all over the place. And I think that is something that, um, you know, certainly uh, things like Apple Podcasts aren't um, and Google Podcasts aren't. And so I think, you know, again, there are more opportunities there to, uh, surface new, um, content for you to go and, uh, and, uh, and, and uh, have a listen to. And I think, you know, it's really interesting watching where people listen to podcasts right now, where they could be listening to podcasts and see if they can actually increase, you know, the amount of shows that people have a listen to. I mean, you know, one of the things that I, uh, surfaced earlier on in the year at, uh, the podcast movement, um, show in Las Vegas was, um, uh, numbers from, uh, pod track, which showed the amount of podcasts that a typical Apple podcast listener was listening to versus the amount of podcasts that a typical Spotify user was listening to. And it turns out that um, Apple podcast users are listening to nine times as many episodes as Spotify users. Um, And so anything that Spotify can do to increase the amount of um, shows that their users are listening to will really help them. And the, exactly the same going on here in terms of YouTube as well. The more shows, the more episodes which are being uh, consumed, the more times that YouTube can flog advertising in and around those particular shows. And I think that's really exciting.
0: To build on that, I think the the exciting part from an industry perspective... So if we think about brands looking to enter the space, and you know we... As an industry, frankly, we want to see more money, inevitably and continually more money flowing through the space because everyone does well, including potentially the trickle down to creators, you know, TBC on how that's all going to work. But the notion that relevance plays such a big key, you know, if you think about brands that invest in podcast advertising, whether that is through marketplaces, programmatic or direct sales, host reads, whatever, the idea is that relevance creates confidence in brands and thus click throughs and, 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 and actions, whatever those actions might be. The idea that YouTube's algorithm is more advanced already and is, as you said, on more surfaces already. That's an exciting prospect when it comes to relevance. Because suddenly as a as a as a as a brand, as a, as a company that's putting money from my marketing and advertising budget into podcasts, I can much more confident theoretically that I'm going to be matched with a warmer set of people because the algorithm is significantly more advanced. Is there any merit to that? Is that, is that just wishful thinking or is there, is there any merit to that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's certainly merit to um, advertisers being more comfortable with YouTube in general, because advertisers have, um, in many cases, already used it. So they'll understand how the thing works. Um, The world of podcasting is, uh, in many cases, quite alien to them. So being able to help them understand something is really helpful. And of course, you know, they get different analytics from YouTube. YouTube has excelled in the sorts of analytics where you can see exactly where somebody is fast forwarding exactly where somebody is uh, skipping through a video um where people are coming in where people are leaving all of that kind of information you know youtube is very very good at and again you know um uh, advertisers are comfortable with that they're comfortable with the demographic information that they get um from the uh, the 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 platform and so on and so forth so I think giving advertisers, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, advertisers are very lazy. They want things that they understand that they don't have to learn, and they want things that they can earn money out of. Um, And YouTube seems to have. Um, shown itself time and time again that that is certainly, you know, part of that model, um, that they're very, very good at doing that. And I think, you know, again, that that that's one of the reasons why we're seeing the staggered rollout for the audio-only version, um, because it has to tie in with the availability of audio advertising on the platform, which, of course, is something that Apple Podcasts doesn't necessarily have to worry about. Um, and Spotify using as a loss leader, really, uh, in many parts of the world, they're only now rolling out the spotify audience network in parts of mainland europe so you know i think uh, there are there are opportunities um uh, here that you can see youtube going okay a- as we roll this out we can see that there's going to be more and more growth um you know coming from this and more inventory yeah
0: demographics you mentioned there which is a really interesting word in podcasting Because it's very difficult to get demographic data and to get any other kind of data on podcasts, consumption, you know the drill. YouTube can get that because it's essentially a closed ecosystem. So I upload my audio, even if I ingest that audio via RSS, you would imagine that YouTube... And this is pure speculation. You would imagine that they'd maybe want to still host that data and, and to host that audio so they can give the data that the advertisers are already used to, to them so that they can, they can do what we've just said. So is this just another walled garden in podcasting? And What does it mean for the open podcasting ecosystem for that landscape that we're striving to maintain
1: and to, to help to thrive? Well, I think if this was anybody other than YouTube, um, the podcast industry would be up in arms and saying, "No, you know this is a bad thing. We shouldn't be involved in it. Go away." You might remember Mark Cuban, um, who was doing something that vaguely sounds as if it might be a bit like this two and a half, three years ago. Um, very, very quickly changed changed his mind. It's not. It's not a thing that the podcast industry is interested in. Having said that, I think it is a thing in terms of YouTube. Um, because of course, YouTube being so large, so um, I think there's a there's you know a, a bit of a a bit of a difference uh, there in terms of will it be a closed platform? I mean, YouTube are talking about using RSS feeds. But I think they're talking about using RSS feeds as methods of ingestion, as methods of pulling in the audio once so that they then serve the audio. And if there's one thing that I get frustrated about in terms of the podcast industry is that we seem to have this sort of religious belief that the audio that our users upload to our platforms is not to be played with in any way, shape, or form. Um, And I think that's a bit of a mistake because actually what YouTube has shown us is that they will pull in a piece of video, they will make lots of different versions of that video so that it works on any bandwidth, it works on any phone, any device. If you happen to have something which deals with the AV1 video codec, which is a new super great video codec, then great! But if it only deals with you know, an old version of MPEG-4, well, that's fine, because YouTube has a version of that as well. Um, And so I think that YouTube will continue using that. It's one of their uh, strengths, I think. Um, And so we'll continue to see, you know, YouTube's uh, network being used as it is. I mean, apart from anything else, um, my understanding is that YouTube in many of the large uh, internet um, service uh, providers, they have their own caches actually within there to save the ISP's money in the same way that iPlayer does in the UK that Hulu does um, in the US and so on and so forth. So, you know, a- anything that YouTube does, they get the benefit of. And enabling um, pass through to RSS so that it goes and grabs the initial audio files. It's not necessarily—I I wouldn't have thought anywhere on uh, YouTube's, um, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, ideas. Uh, I, I don't think that that's ever going to be uh, a thing that YouTube gets particularly interested in. Which means, of course, that dynamic advertising um, is going to be much harder, if not impossible. And, of course, it very dramatically changes how advertising works in the podcast industry. And I don't think the podcast industry necessarily has woken up to that yet. That actually every podcast that you hear on YouTube... You won't necessarily be able to sell, you know, certainly dynamic advertising uh, in. That's going to be really hard. You can probably sell baked in advertising, um, but uh, everybody keeps on talking about uh, dynamic and programmatic advertising, and that just simply won't work on the Google platform unless you buy through Google. Um, So I think there are quite a lot of changes um, to happen there, and I wonder whether or not. Um, many of the podcast industry in that um, you know in that field has actually properly thought about what that means for their business
0: I could spend another full episode and perhaps we will on that one because i have a lot of thoughts as you know about that side of things. And particularly the way that a lot of us in the podcast industry think, um, uh, because let's be honest, it is now an industry as much as we might want to fight it, but that is probably for another episode. Let's, let's wrap up with a quick visit to the Bloomberg article written by Ashley Carmen, which it's it's an interesting article because it's a soundbite. It's a short one. And let's, let's kind of preface this with the idea that this is early days for YouTube. It's early days for the publishers that have jumped on there. Um, the, the, the basic headlines were NPR slate, New York times have popped their, their podcasts over to YouTube. They've theoretically finished in slates. I think in slates, uh, words they've, they've finished that move if you like but the views are not mm. there but then in complete dynamic contrast you you reported on up front with simon jordan which is a and i'm going to air quote this quote-unquote podcast um <laughs> just to placate some people for a laugh
1: it's a, it's a real podcast it's available on rss as well but yes but i know i know what you mean and that and that is, doing, that is doing fantastically. So, you know, I mean, actually, uh, of course, one of the drawbacks of, of publishing stuff on YouTube is that people can see your playback numbers, um, which we don't have in podcasting. So quite a lot of people wish to, um, you know, if you're not using new technology like OP3, um, which I know that you do on this particular show, um, but otherwise, no one knows what your downloads are unless you tell them. That's not the case on YouTube. You can see the view numbers. And so Ashley has very cleverly, because she's a good journalist, gone through and checked, uh, for example, NPR's uh, numbers uh, 168 million global downloads in April. And then she's gone and looked at uh, YouTube, which of course is different numbers, uh, looked at YouTube and um, worked out what the average uh, view number is on an NPR show. And it's, um, well, 178. Uh, nowhere near, nowhere near what it should be. Um, and so she has quite rightly, um, uh, questioned the people at NPR and Slate saying, were you expecting this to be higher? You know, why have you spent all of this time um, getting onto, onto the YouTube uh, platform? You know, and uh, of course, one can assume that uh, it, it is going to grow and everything else. But I think that, that that was a fascinating article. But then people reaching out to me and saying, actually, we're seeing completely the opposite. So, folding pocket who make up front with Simon Jordan, which if you're interested in, in uh, sports ball, it's absolutely for you. Um, but uh, that particular show, number one sports podcast on Spotify, number one sports podcast on Apple Podcasts right now. It launched um, last week as we record this. And so therefore, you know, that, um, uh, it probably would be because of the way that those charts work. But even so, it's also done more than half a million views on YouTube in less than a week. Um, And that's particularly striking because it's a UK podcast or UK show. um, And that means that the YouTube music effect isn't there because uh, in the UK, uh, you guys don't have YouTube music uh, with the the additional podcasts in there. Um, And I do I do think that this comes down to just different genres of stuff working on different platforms. Um, I have yet to find a podcast about podcasting that does very well on Spotify. And it occurs to me that all of the podcasts about podcasting that I ever see, and the Pod News Daily is one of those, we we get useless numbers out of uh, Spotify, completely useless, because podcasters are not using Spotify to listen to podcasts. They're using a proper uh, podcast app, um, and so, of course, those numbers are going to be down. And my suspicion is that um, some of the typical NPR listeners, some of the typical Slate listeners, um, aren't necessarily using YouTube in the same numbers as they are some of the other platforms. Whereas sports, um, you know, sports fans certainly are, and younger people certainly are. You know, so I, I think it, it is a genre thing. But I think it's not necessarily fully understood yet which genres really work uh, on those platforms. Uh, And of course, it it will be different in every single country as well, which is the other uh, the other side to, you know, bear in mind as well. You know, Brits watch different things in different places than Americans do, than Australians do, than people in Indonesia or Japan do. And so, of course, you know, we'll end up seeing different uh, genres, you know, going on there. I mean, you know, Japan is so, so different that the Amazon Music app is the number three most popular app in Japan, Imagine that. So you can, you, so you can imagine how different um, all of these individual countries are. But I, yeah, I, I think it's fascinating. Do we know what's going to work on YouTube? No. Um, do we know, you know, what will be the, the runaway successes? I think we can all make guesses, but um, yeah, it's quite hard to work it out. What fascinates me
0: about that as well is that the real kind of fundamental the background to you know NPR the New York Times and Slate they pop everything over on YouTube of course the people that give the 168 million downloads aren't going to just go okay do you know what today I ain't going to listen there I am going to go over to YouTube and I'm going to listen in this new place it's just it's 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 simply not the case which then leads me to the 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 upfront with Simon Jordan show which has some very interesting differences for me. Number one, it's a very highly produced video show. Secondly, as you rightly pointed out, it's UK based. And the, one of the first episodes is Graham soon. a very famous football manager known for, you know, it's not a wallflower. All right. And the title is a nice soundbite that has been pulled out of the interview. And it's the point that I'm getting at is twofold. Number one, it feels like YouTube for those kind of companies is an opportunity to gain new listeners through new strategies. So that's the first thing that, that struck me. The second thing was, as you pointed out, of course, certain content will do much better on YouTube and something like that up front with Simon Jordan is, is almost guaranteed in the climate that we have right now to do better than a podcast about podcasting because the UK is full of really good if we just take football or soccer, if you're in the US, it, it's full of great shows. Ben Foster's show under the kosh, that are revealing little stories and tidbits. It's almost like when you watch Gazza on an interview, you're like, this is brilliant. I've seen Gazza on TV 30, 40 times in the last 10, 20 years, but something funny is going to come out here. And it's so it knows where it's aiming. It knows what it's trying to be. And right back to that beginning point earlier on that we, when we sort of discussed that YouTube, it's almost like YouTube probably had to get into podcasting because people were doing it anyway. It almost feels like something like the Simon Jordan show was made for YouTube, but thought about and strategized and designed in such a way and even edited in such a way that it's just good audio as well. And that then brings me back to the old, and you'll appreciate this the, the 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 kind of mum factor. Like my mum doesn't care whether this is delivered via audio or first RSS. She doesn't care whether or not it's on YouTube or on Spotify. All she cares about is the, the topic that she enjoys, she can enjoy where she chooses to enjoy it, and that that feels like the big thing that we really deeply embedded in the industry, a lot of us have yet to figure out, because like you said earlier on, there's a lot of holding on to, um, I don't want to say beliefs, but to holding on to old tropes that may need to develop. Um, And I just find it fascinating. I'm not going anywhere with that with the question. I just find that to be a massive challenge for us within the industry, you know?
1: No, I I think it's fascinating. And I think that there are so many changes happening at the moment in terms of, uh, I mean, the media in general, of course. I mean, you only have to look at some of the large incumbent broadcasters in the US who are seeing considerable additional money coming in through podcasting, Um, but the rest of their business is falling apart. You know, while while they sit there, and it's fascinating watching. It's a very different world in in uh, in uh, Europe, but it's a fascinating watching that happening in the US. Um, and I do wonder whether um, you know some of the, um, the the more outspoken people in the industry, particularly in the the podcast industry, are there. Um, being outspoken because they are worried about what these changes might actually mean for them personally, rather than necessarily what it means for the entire uh, industry as we move uh, forward. I think there are fascinating things happening. And and I'm really excited about um, the possibilities that you know, that a strong, uh, podcast, uh, platform in YouTube, um, might actually give us. Um, you know, I think that that's really interesting, uh, in terms of uh, what that means to, um, to, uh, audio. Um, clearly I think it will only work for certain genres. I, I you know, I mean, audio fiction, um, working on YouTube, I, I find that that's going to be really hard. Um, you know, um, So I'm not necessarily sure how that bit's going to work. But I think that certainly for certain shows in certain genres, you know, YouTube is going to be really interesting Um, uh, You know, Spotify is already really interesting, again, for certain genres, not for every single uh, uh, genre coming up. And I think the big uh, change which will happen at some point, because they they will do this because they're not stupid, is Apple Podcasts launching an Android app. Um, Because Apple Podcasts can't sit on their hands for the next five years and watch while Spotify and increasingly now YouTube takes away all of the... um, opportunities that Apple has um, by being the market leader there. And so at some point, Apple is going to have to launch an Android app. And that, again, is going to be really interesting. That's going to be a real reckoning for Spotify that's been able to run away on that particular platform and be number one in most countries just because it's the only real platform that anybody's heard of. I think that's going to be a tremendous opportunity for us going going on. So I'm hugely excited about where the future uh, is uh, is uh, going, and I think um, you know watching what YouTube does uh, is going to be a fascinating glimpse uh, into uh, where uh, p- podcasting goes and how podcasting earns its money. James Crivland, always insightful
0: and always, he's always fascinating to chat to, you, mate. And I'm looking forward to doing it in person. And the very final question I'm going to ask you is actually. We all love seeing you face to face, mate. So where where will we see you for the rest of 2023? You're, You're heading over to London for the podcast show, so I hear. Will we see
1: you elsewhere? Yes. Yeah, so I'm uh, speaking at the podcast show. I am the first speaker. So please turn up early nine, 10. I'll see you in the amplify room, um, which, uh, the last time they put me in a tiny little room, which I think seated a hundred people and, uh, and nobody could get in cause, uh, cause it was full this time they've done the opposite and they've put me into a room that seats 400 people. So, um, so please, if you're going to that, if this goes out before then, then, <laughs> then that will be a good thing. Um, uh, but but also, um, uh, PodNews is doing two um, uh, live uh, events uh, in uh, the UK. Um, One in June in uh, Salford in Greater Manchester, or Salford next to Greater Manchester, I should possibly say. Um, So that's, uh, people get very upset, Salford, Manchester. Um, But looking forward to that, which is uh, in the middle of June and then in uh, the middle of uh, September, in fact, the day just before the British Podcast Awards, um, uh, Pod News Live will be in London. And I can probably tell you where it's going to be, which uh, we've not actually mentioned yet. We're actually going to be in the old television centre in White City, She's going to be an incredible Ooh. venue I'm really looking forward to that um sam came to me the other day and he said right so i've got these three venues the first one is inside television center right that's it don't even want to know what the other ones are <laughs> that's the one um so hugely lo- looking forward to both of those it's a day that we've specifically um built to be a, uh, a day all around um, all around talking to other people in the industry. So it's uh, very much a networking event, just just as much as it is great people uh, talking as well. Uh, but uh, podnews.net slash live is where to find out more about those. Thank you very much. Looking forward to being
0: there for both of those. It's it's always great to see you and the great work that you and Sam do. So once more, James Cridland, thank you ever so much, my friend. Thank you.